Anabolic Academy, only on serious and silliness bodybuilding, YouTube, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and now on Rumble. But this is the show where you ask me questions about bodybuilding, fitness, whatever you'd like to talk about. You send them my way, and I will answer them for you. You could reach me on Serious and Silliness Instagram. You could reach me on Facebook, John Livia. You could reach me on TikTok, John Livia. You could email me, UncleJohn1201 at Gmail. My other email, John underscore Livia at Yahoo. But like, share, subscribe, and let's get into the questions because we got some good ones. And believe me, I appreciate every single question I get. But first, Marcus Marcus has three questions. What's the best, easiest way to get on TRT? Well, if you have a job with health insurance, you can go to your doctor and you could say, I think I need TRT. And they will check your blood work and they will uh, make sure that you need it. Uh, they'll see your, your, your test levels. And then if you are in the what they consider to be low or lower than average for your age range, I believe that's how it works. Um, then they will administer it. Uh, you, uh, like literally, if you get it through your insurance, it costs like between 5 and $10 a bottle. And they're only going to give you what you need to bring your, your levels up back to average. So that's the fastest, cheapest way and easiest way to do it because the doctor will even inject you. So you don't even have to worry about it. Next question, Marcus Marcus. How much is the average cost of TRT? Well, if you have health insurance, like I said, it costs you between 5 and $10 a month. If you don't have health insurance then you have to pay what the testosterone cost and the uh, doctor's care. Um, it could be relatively expensive, right? I, I, he's going to have to run blood work and so on and so forth. And then it says preferably 300 milligrams a week. Okay, 300 milligrams a week is not TRT. TRT is usually about 100, 150 milligrams a week. Everybody's a little bit different. Some people might need more. Some people might need less. That's why they have to do blood work and see where your levels are at. And... Everybody may respond differently. Somebody might take 100 milligrams of testosterone and it increases too much. And then they have to adjust it. So they bring it back. They inject it with a lower dosage. Some people might need more because it doesn't uh, go up as much as they would like. So everybody's a little bit different. But 300 milligrams is not a TRT. 300 milligrams is what I refer to as the danger zone. It's more than TRT, but it's less than bodybuilding numbers. Why do I call it the danger zone is because what happens a lot of the times is with testosterone, people think, oh, I just want to take a little bit. I want to take a little bit. They take 250 milligrams a week. They take 350 milligrams a week. And then they might feel good the first few weeks because your test levels go higher because your natural test levels are already functioning, especially if you are a young man, if you are in your 20s or 30s. And then what happens is a lot of the times your natural test levels will shut down or not produce much at all. And then you're working on this little bit of testosterone. It's 250 milligrams, 350 milligrams a week. So usually TRT could be about 100 milligrams a week. And then once you get 500 or more, that is the bodybuilding zone as far as I'm concerned. Again, everybody's a little bit different. You might take 500 milligrams and your test levels might be 1,200, 1,500. And that might be all you need. Might be all you need. Some people may take 500 and they only get up to seven, 800 and they might need more. So everybody's a little bit, a little bit different. That's why you really got to go get your blood level check and you got to see what your doctor says. And for me, bodybuilding numbers usually at my age now is about 500 milligrams a week. That does me good. It keeps me about, about a thousand, my range about a thousand. 
and it keeps me uh, with some decent muscle on, gaining muscle or whatnot. And when I come off, I come off every year, I answered this last week, I come off uh, the high levels of testosterone, if that's considered high levels, every year, I go on PCT for about four, 12 weeks, four months, and I just stay on a TRT, which is about 100 milligrams a week. And then that's, that's about it. Now, third question from Marcus Marcus. Marcus Marcus is on IG. Go check him out. What else would you do or take when you lacked energy or motivation to go to the gym? All right. Well, obviously a pre-workout, but what I, I'll tell you what I used to, what I used to do. There were certain videos I used to be able, I used to watch and used to really get me amped. And there's two specific ones. It was really, it was ridiculous, but the first one's not so ridiculous. The first one was basically Superman meets the Hulk. And that's when you had the two guys working out together. Fucking warm up. Superman, Superman and the Hulk in the gym. And basically it was uh, two powerlifters. So Superman, everybody knows who C.T. Fletcher is. Um, he was a great powerlifter and became a social media icon about 10, 12 years ago. And he used to work out. They called him the Hulk. Kevin Washington, this guy was a monster. He was strong as hell. And um, that used to get me hyped. Used to get me pumped. And the other one, I know this is kind of stupid, but the other one was the scene from Rocky Three when Sylvester Stallone has to fight Hulk Hogan. Whoa, you move pretty fast for a big guy, you know that? Listen, why don't we just move around a little bit, you know, like give him a good show. First, I'll chase you and you chase me, okay? How's that? All right? Go eat. Here you go. Huh? Okay? Stay away from that hurt, right? Don't mess with me. How's that? Okay? Not bad, huh? I know, I know, I know. Just it just it just got my testosterone boiling, and I couldn't wait to go to the gym. So it was Rocky versus Thunderlips. Thunderlips was the wrestling champion of the world versus the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. And the thing was, they really used to do these things. Like they real like uh, Muhammad Ali fought this Japanese professional wrestler to raise money for for uh, you know. Uh, charity or whatever that was horrible but uh then there was one where andre the giant uh fought chuck wepner who was a fighter uh and, and that was actually at chase stadium and andre the giant threw him out of the ring and then there was one very long time ago where rocky marciano who was the heavyweight champion during the 1950s fought jerry lewis who was a comic and dean martin who was his partner uh, was the referee and it was for charity and it was actually pretty funny right so they used to do these things all the time. So Stallone just put it in his movie, but of course he made it like really over the top and whatever. And and uh, I mean, you got to watch the scene. I'm sure plenty of you that are my age have seen it. If not, if not, you know, if you guys are too young, just go look it up. And it's in the scene. It's supposed to be that Stallone knows it's for, for show and for fun. And 
And Thunderlips is Hulk Hogan decides, no, nah, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And he gives him a beating in the ring. But then, of course, since Stallone wrote the movie, he wrote in that he goes back in and kicks the hell out of Hulk Hogan, which good thing he wrote the movie because that would never happen. But yeah, that's what I would do. Those are the two videos that would that would make me go to the gym. All right. Fran is the man. And he is the man because he sends me questions every week. So here we go. No, first question from Fran is the man. If a supplement company offers me a sponsorship, but the deal is I have to compete again, would I take it? Well, Fran, you found my weak spot. You found my Achilles heel. That is the almighty dollar. That would be the only way I would get on stage if somebody paid me to. Uh, but it would have to be a uh, a contract uh, guaranteed uh, that my lawyer would have to look over. Uh, significant amount of money every month, significant to me and my channel. And of course, I'm a reasonable human being. And then I would uh, compete and then I would actually have footage, you know, like a following road to whatever contest I would do. And I would also make sure that I picked a great trainer to train me for that. But it also depends on how much they give me. And if the sponsorship would continue after the contest, which is really what I would want. But other than that, believe me, there has to be some fine print because I hate I, You know, if you, you guys who have never trained for, for a bodybuilding contest, the majority of people that, that dieted for a bodybuilding contest, it's, they call it hell week. It really should be hell month because the last month before a contest, I mean, it is nothing but cardio, no carbohydrates. Ugh, you're miserable. It's horrible. You can't eat. You're irritable. You don't want to talk to anybody. You're taking anabolics that make you even more irritable, like trembolone and halitestin. Uh, it's just it's just fucking horrible. So it would have to be a significant amount of money. But uh, okay. Second question from Fran is the man. Will there be an auto classic preview episode EP09 and Mark's Max Muscle? No, unfortunately. I still keep in touch with EP09. Uh, me and Mark's Max Muscle had a bit of a falling out. I never told anybody because it's nobody's business. So that's why we don't do any more. That's why we don't do any more previews. Um, but they do. They are always on together with another bodybuilding podcaster. I'm not sure who he is, but they 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 do put out great content. EP09 is great for the news. It's kind of like a next strength and power. Uh, personally, I like it better. But you know, uh, Mark's Max Muscle is really good for bodybuilding contest reviews after the contest is over. And he reviews them and breaks down what happened. That's he's really good at that. So really, go check out those those guys because I'm I do things a little bit different. All right, right. But those those two guys are what what they're good at. Right. Okay. Third question from is the man. Besides bodybuilding and podcasting, what what's next that you want to pursue in bodybuilding? Well, okay. I'm actually glad that you actually uh, said that because I talk about this with my wife a lot. The whole idea of the the podcast is to create myself as a brand, right? Kind of like how C.T. Fletcher did or how Johnny Bravo does or how Nick Strength of Power does or whatever. And that's the whole idea. Because if people like me and like my brand and my channel, then it's going to be easier to delve into other things within bodybuilding. And I have two somewhat goals. I really want to get a booth at the Olympia um, when, when that happens in the next three to five years or so, hopefully. I'd like to make a 
like kind of like a big sting. Like I don't want a little booth in the corner. It would have to be big. I'd want guys from bodybuilding that I made friends with to be there signing autographs and making appearances, selling merchandise, having beautiful women there. And I, I, I make a joke, but it's the joke is actually somewhat real. It's, I'm just making a joke. But my expression when I make the joke is I'm not stopping until I have a booth at the Olympia with large breasted women and Hells Angels as security. Now, of course, I wouldn't stop even if I got that. But I, if my brand goes well and my podcast continues to grow, which it seems like it is, then a gym uh, in the future, maybe, you know, when I retire from my normal day job, uh, I would like to open up a gym. Obviously, I would call it serious fitness or serious gym or something like that. Right. And it would be, it would be a hardcore niche with some really great equipment. Right. That would be the angle. I have not really gone into depth because I'm still working on step one, which is the podcast, making myself a brand and making this podcast a success. And thanks to you guys, it looks like it's happening. So thank you. Okay. Fourth question from front is the man. Have you ever lost a show, but thought you deserved a higher placing? Yes. Yeah. The Brooklyn Grand Prix, I came in fifth and I really thought I deserved second or third. Look, I went backstage and there was a guy there. I'll never forget it. In 2014, Brooklyn Grand Prix. I was a light heavyweight. Best shape I ever was in my life. I had done three shows previously. I looked the best I ever did. The, the, the picture that I use on Instagram for Anabolic Academy, that was the shot. That's one of That was the most muscular shot from 2014 Brooklyn Grand Prix. And I had won the Masters overall. And in the Open, I came in fifth. And I thought between second and third. But I was really going in to win. I wanted to win. I wanted to win the Open. And I wanted to go on to a national level show. All of a sudden, this guy with a Dan Marino jersey walks in. And he's like an inch shorter than me. And he walks in. And this kid looks like he looks like a freight train in a Dan Marino jersey. And I went, ah, oh, fuck. I knew right away. This kid's too tall to be a heavyweight. You know, I'm too tall to be a light heavyweight. Really, I really should have been a heavyweight. I just never had that much muscle. And this kid was an inch shorter than me. And uh, he weighed 198 on the button because he weighed in in front of me. And I was like, this kid's a heavy, a light heavyweight. And I'm going to get killed. There's no way I'm beating this guy. So I already knew going back there. I'm like, okay, maybe I can grab second. I wanted to do better than that because I had taken second in the shows previous in the open. I had won one open, but that was it was a long time ago. In 1999, and I came back in 2012, and I took second. And and this guy took his shirt off backstage. I remember my uh, my coach, his name was Dominic, and I said to him, "This was after this was, Dominic was the coach I used after a guy. His name was Dominic Dicchio. We used to go to the same gym, and he was like an aspiring coach at the time. I don't, I haven't spoken to him. I don't know what happened to him, but whatever. And uh, I said, "Oh, well, maybe he's a heavyweight." I'm like, "Nah, he ain't no heavyweight." Yeah, he's no heavyweight. So he come. This kid, this kid was national stage ready. Boom. Anyway, everything's turned upside down. That kid shouldn't have been touched. He should have won the whole show. He gets second. I get fifth. The the kid who who should have taken like second or third won. And the guy, the kid, the the person in front of me that was third and fourth. I mean, they were just trash. I hate to say it, but they were just trash. And I'm like, really? I lost to these two guys, but that kid who took second, he should have won the whole thing. There was nobody better than him. And we were backstage, and I remember he was just like, we were at the night show, 
And I went over to him and I put my hand out. I don't remember his name. I have no idea. I said, man, you got, you really got screwed, but you know, just keep your head up because you, you deserve to be on the national level stage. And, and look, it happens, right? It, it, it happens. But I had a good friend, John Farmer, who, who trained and, and bodybuilder for a long time. He was a sanitation worker from Staten Island. And he actually said to me, he goes, if you are in the game long enough, you were going to get screwed and you were going to be rewarded and somebody else got screwed. He goes, sooner or later, you're going to be holding a trophy that you know is not yours. He goes, if you're in the game long enough. And you, you know, he pretty much hit the nail on the head. You know, it's the God's honest truth. I didn't stay in the game long enough, but for other reasons, but that was the truth. Okay. Number five, Fran is the man who would win head to head in their prime Sergio Oliva junior or versus senior. Okay. Obviously, if you take senior and his era and junior and his era, obviously junior is better, but it's a different era. All the bodybuilders today are better. They're bigger, they're rounder, they're harder. I mean, it's just, it's just the case. I mean, you could, everybody wants to argue over oh, the golden era, blah, 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 blah. that's fine. But if you put those, if you put those guys on stage, it would be a no brainer. Now, if you took Sergio Olivia Sr. and trained him like a bodybuilder today with his genetics, he could be fantastic. He, he could be one of the best, but we'll never know that. We'll never know. That's like, you know, that's like asking, uh, could Mike Tyson beat uh, Muhammad Ali? I, I don't know. You know, who would win in a one-on-one, Michael Jordan or or uh, LeBron James in, in their prime? You're never going to know, right? All right. Final question on the Hatabolic Academy. Hit fit underscore performance. How important is insulin sensitivity in bodybuilding? Well, it's moderately important because obviously if your insulin level is high, if your insulin level is high, you're going to be able to gain body fat faster and gain muscle a lot slower. But the good news is the majority of people that are working out either regularly, they have a, 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 a balanced insulin level, right? And if they don't, that's what insulin is for, to regulate it, okay? There's plenty of guys I know that bodybuilding that were diabetic and had to take insulin you know, every day or so on and so forth. But for the, for the majority of people, bodybuilding, working out, eating right, that usually balances your insulin level. So it's really not that great of a problem. It becomes a problem if you start using insulin and you don't know how to use it and you know you might take too much of it. Or if you if you do have insulin sensitivity, it could it could make you fatter instead of gaining the muscle. I mean, you know, I never got into insulin too much because I never wanted to use it. So I can't get into the specifics, but I do know that it's important. Your insulin sensitivity is important, but uh, since it's regulated through exercise and diet. The majority of bodybuilders don't have an insulin problem, right? That's basically it. That concludes this episode of Anabolic Academy. And like, share, subscribe. And thank you, Marcus Marcus, Fran is the man, and hit fit underscore performance. I appreciate all the questions. I will see you next time. Oh, and don't miss this week's muscle talk because uh, Phil's coming back, Dorian's coming back, and... I got word from the man himself, John De La Rosa is coming, even though he's two weeks out of the Arnold. And he said, don't worry, I'll be there. I said, only if you're feeling up to it, man. And he said, no, I'll be there. So De La Rosa will be on the show. And that is it. Later, fellas. Peace.